Hey everybody, just wanted to say sorry for the quality of this episode's audio. We ran into a bit of a snafu in the recording process that did carry over into the editing process. We have figured out a solution. It is to give you guys an episode that has the content, but maybe not the quality that the other ones do. So here from the casual hour, we say we're sorry, and we hope you enjoy this episode nonetheless. Welcome back to the Casual Hour. I'm Bobby Pease. We are a podcast about video games. Joining me is one of my favorite people. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I know. Okay, so for, for those, sorry to just derail this. I'm Chase Kanicki, by the way. Um, Hi, Chase. <laughs> like, we, we started off air just talking about, oh, hey, yeah, you know, 2018, we probably need to start thinking more about, you know, things we want to do with the show. And, you know, one of the things we, we have trouble with are starting the shows and, and trying to find something definitive that we want to say, like a slogan yeah. or motto thing. And then Bobby P's out here going, hi, guys, we're the Casual Hour, we're about video games. So, it's like that's it. <laughs> like yeah. White bread, fucking... Like, and now, like that's who we are at the very tip of the iceberg. Like I could go in and say all kinds of. Um, we've had a lot of different transitions over the years, but we tend to we tend to talk about video games probably the most. I would say. Well, yeah, I mean, this this is abs- okay. So nothing you said was wrong. We are absolutely a video game podcast, but man, like the most matter of fact <laughs> way into this episode I could take. Uh, it can only go up from here. So if you have, you know what, if you have suggestions for what the show slogan should be, uh, definitely write into us, uh, casual, the casual hour at gmail.com or, uh, yes. at the casual hour is our, is our Twitter account. Please, please help us, help us help you by not yeah. giving you this generic ass show intro anymore. This is the casual hour. And we like video games. That's only slightly better. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I am Bobby Pease. I am the host of this shit show. Uh, Mr. Case Kinnicky that has been guiding us to the beginning of this episode. He is the most infamous gamer on the go this side of the Mississippi. Mm, I don't uh, know about that. It's true. He runs a podcast outside of our show called Gamers on the Go. Oh, so we're, we're just doing all the plugs up front then. We're going to get all the good stuff out of the way right now, because I don't really know what the back end of this is going to look like, because the front end certainly was not great. So we're just going to try and rearrange a little bit to make sure we get that stuff out there. Chase, the last time we talked, we we were continuing these dreams, and I just had like a follow-up for the audience that's been listening. So if you haven't listened to the dream episode, which is Bobby P's Dream Doctor, it's it's perfection. Mm. Uh, it's, It's an insight into Chase's thinking. And I'd just love to know, has there been anything, any follow-ups on that dream? Anything further? There's not. Sorry. The, the, has, any of, has any of my clinicians come, come through in your life about <laughs> what I interpreted your dream to be? Uh, no. Um, I did. 
weirdly enough, I did start a new job this week, and uh, one of the first things so, that there you have it, folks. <laughs> Closed case, Hobby Peace Dream Doctor <laughs> has a perfect track record once again. Well, one of the first things that happened at this new job, it's another advertising job. Uh, and I guess... Because the, you're good at it. Uh, yeah, I, that's the only thing I might be good at. Um, but they guess, I guess they had just finished a project where they had made tarot cards for this tequila. So one of the first things they did was, hey, welcome, here, we're going to do a tarot reading. And I'm like, wait, what? What are we, what are we doing here? And and so I got a tarot reading, and I didn't really know what was going on, but it did feel nice to see the arcanas that I have seen in Persona and actually understand them. Like, I got the strength and the, the chariot, and, oh, I forgot the, what the last one was. Um, but I was like, oh, hey, yeah, yeah, chariot. You mean the thing that Chie does? Yeah, of course. I, I'm, I know the chariot arcana, please. <laughs> It doesn't sound like it was so terrible. God damn it. God damn it, Bobby. Damn you on this day. Uh, Let's just, let's, let's (laughs) fucking talk about video games. Can we, can we just get into Uh, the video game talk? So so every week we get together and we talk about the games that we've been playing. And then at the end of the episode, we go into a theme or a topic. This week, we have some really exciting things to get into on the back half of the episode. I'm so excited to talk to you about it, Chase. I've been waiting all day to talk to you about this stuff. But before that, the more important thing, I need to know what the hell is going on with this Fire Emblem business and what's going on with Strategy 18 in 2018. Yeah, Strategy 18 uh, is going pretty strongly right now. I, I finished Fire Emblem, the Blazing Blade, on my Game Boy Advance. and You feel completed from it. Yeah, so there, when, you, when you finish... So it has three stories in it. There's Lin's story, and that's kind of like a tutorial... Uh, that's that's pretty easy to finish. And then you start Ellawood's story, and Ellawood is the the more or less the main character in that game. And once you finish it with him, then you unlock a hard mode that is Hector's story. And Hector's a guy that you play with. Uh, he, he's part of your party in that second story, in Ellawood's story, but now you play it from his perspective and and I said, nah, I don't need to do that because I was I was looking through some of his battles, and a lot of them are just the same battles as Ella Woods, except maybe there's some different enemy placement or something slightly different happens. And I said, you know what, I I'm fine, <laughs> thank you, but I, I feel like I've gotten enough of this Fire Emblem experience, and I'm ready to move on. Sure. So uh, I mean, that seems like, that seems like a little recycling. By them, maybe to stretch some content. Totally. Like if if this was if this game had come out and I didn't have a ton of other Fire Emblem games to play, or if this was the new Fire Emblem game and I was way into it, then yeah, I could totally appreciate how they've built in a little bit more content into it. But at this point, I was eyeing a ton of other games that I wanted to start for Strategy Eighteen, and and replaying a game that I just played through and just kind of tried to burn through, I, I did not want to play it over again. So, That's uh, what happened with Dishonored 2 for me. Oh, we really? Talked about, like, I was playing as Emily, and you were playing as uh, Corvo. Right. And I was like, oh, when I beat it with Emily, I'm going to go back and play with Corvo. And I, I feel like the first mission, and it was not even different at all. And I was like, you know what? Like, I'm not doing this again. Yeah. And it's I, just I'm a lot gonna... to ask. Yeah. 
so so I'm happy that that is finished. I, I had a good time with it. I think the the story stuff is is actually relatively interesting in it, and uh, and I had a good time. So, of course, I decided I'd start Fire Emblem Awakening. <laughs> okay, which is a game I've already beaten numerous times. Um, you love this game, though. This is the, like is this. Probably one of your favorite games of all time. Absolutely, I think. Uh, oh God, let me pull it up real quick. It's it's like it's in, it's in top five. I think it's maybe like three or four. I have this. I have this all documented. We will. We will see. For my faves here, going to them. Gaming favorite video games. It is number four. Right behind Pokemon Red and Blue, and right before Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2. Yeah, I I love Fire Emblem Awakening. I I think there are other Fire Emblem games that have come after it that do some interesting things that I I can appreciate more. Uh, Like the way they got rid of weapon degradation in Fire Emblem Fates. And the art style of Fire Emblem Echoes, I think, is, is second to none. Like, that art is so good. And, and coming back to more of like the clear anime, clean line stuff is, is fine. It, it looks okay. It looks good. But, sure. man, I really like that kind of hand-drawn storybook art of, of Fire Emblem Echoes. And I hope that the, uh, the new Fire Emblem for 2018 looks closer to something like that than it does to Awakening. But, yeah. Uh, the they, they didn't announce today. God damn it, they didn't. And I, we'll, we'll talk about that, and I'm angry. <laughs> um, but yeah, I started Fire Emblem Awakening again. It's it's kind of a comfort food thing. There were uh, other pairings that I wanted to try for for the the marriage part of that game uh, because I think there are some. I was trying to look up maybe some more of the interesting or not so much interesting, but the more uh, kind of pro powerful strategies of getting the the right combination of parents to make the the best kids and. Yeah. Uh, and I thought, okay, I can I can do some of this. This sounds fun. And and then I tried to also get some of my own personal preferences in there, and and also try to play the game a little differently. So I've been playing through that game a little bit. Um, I just I just got to the point where Crom uh, marries, if if that matters to anybody. Um, I know you started that game. You you know and. The unfortunate thing at this point in time is that I don't even recall exactly where I was at. Yeah, that's fair. Placement-wise. And I think that if I do pick it back up, well, not if I do, but when I do, uh, I'll probably just start over again. Yeah. And go into it, because when I do commit to this game, um, I'm going to go all in. And, and quite honestly, like if there was a time to do it this year, I know that it's going to get hairy near mid-February and beyond for me. January is a little bit of a a wide berth. So I think I'm going to probably pick it back up and go into it at that point in time. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's still great. I, I like, I like a lot of the stuff they do in it. The writing in it is, is really good. Uh, I, I like the pair up system. I know that it gets a little broken, uh, but I kind of like how broken it gets. And, yeah. and then I, I just like, I like bumping that game down to easier difficulties. I like the the taking away the permadeath so I can kind of relax a little bit more. I, I do feel, though, after finishing Blazing Blade, which had permadeath and you didn't have the option to turn it off, that 
I'm playing Fire Emblem a little more carefully, uh, despite knowing that you know I could I could let these guys die and they'll just come back or, or they get knocked out rather and, and they come back at the end of the battle, and and you can use them for a further battle. Uh, and it's nice to have that as a as a kind of safety valve of oh damn it I I made a mistake but that's okay because I I don't need to reset this game I can just keep on playing and and be okay with it whereas playing Blazing Blade I really felt like every move I made was was incredibly vital and there there's definitely a a good sense of tension out of that that you get where like okay I I really need to focus on this uh, at the same time it's really nice just to be able to kind of sit back and relax and go, hey, you know what, I'm just here to have some Fire Emblem fun, especially when I feel like the, the, my main draw for something like Fire Emblem Awakening is getting all the support conversations and pairing people up and doing all that stuff and, and having <clears throat> like an incredibly um, strategic part of the part of the game is is less of my focus so i'm okay with kind of downplaying that a little bit for and how long would like what is an average playthrough on that game would you say like if you're going to this critical path it? i i don't think i've ever had an average playthrough so i'm probably not the one to ask uh it has three open save files and and when i played this new one i had one save file had 159 hours on it one save file had 124 hours on it, and then the other one had like 30, and and that's the one I thought I could delete and start a new game off of that because I didn't want to delete any of my giant games. But uh, do you do you find yourself feeling that the game play like so? Obviously, this is a strategy game. You've played it. You're familiar with the tactics on this. Do you do anything different on these playthroughs? I mean, you've got hundreds hundreds of hours, almost 300 hours in this game. Mm -hmm. And at that point in time, do you find yourself approaching anything differently? Like, I'm going to focus on maybe these relationships and I try and do these things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's very much how how I'm pairing up characters and and what the kids get. Because when you you pair up the parents, you can pass down skills to the the child characters. So in previous playthroughs, there might have been parents that I put together didn't they didn't pass down really great skills uh you also passed down your available classes to the child so the child can can go through different class options and some of those you know are are helpful and can get other helpful skills and and then some of them just aren't very good or, or aren't very useful for that character if you if you can put somebody into a mage class but they have really good strength and really bad magic then they're not going to do well in that kind of a class but there's also something fun about about saying well fuck that and i just want to see how these two characters interact and i want to see what that s-link support is and s-link is when they when they decide to get married and and i just want to see how that story kind of evolves out of that so so there is fun to be had and and i i'm trying to remember in my first playthrough I married Sully, who's a who's an early game character. She's a cavalier, and like that that was cool. It, it was neat. I sell, but I didn't really understand the rules of Fire Emblem at that point. That was my very first run through of any Fire Emblem game ever. So 
I got to an S-Link support and didn't know it me meant marriage. And I'm like, oh, well, cool. I guess I'm married to this to this other character then. That's fine. Right. And then after I learned what that actually means for the game and having the children and the children inheriting all these skills and things, then I went, okay, well, now I want to min-max it. Now I want to get this crazy powerful child. And the second playthrough was all about getting the most powerful unit I could possibly make. And and I did that. And I thought it was pretty fucking awesome. My my kid literally was a dragon. Um, really? Yeah. Or like in, in Fire Emblem they're called Manichaeats or Manichaeats. Uh they they are half human, half dragons that can change uh in battle. Uh so that's cool. <laughs> it was really cool to have this fucking badass tank of a dragon as a as a child um and then in this playthrough i'm actually uh marrying pan who is kind of like so it's another shapeshifter class but these uh they're called tagwells or taguels and they're like half half man half rabbit <laughs> and uh Weird. they are super fast and pretty strong and i i think that class is really cool so uh, to have to have a kid that can turn into a rabbit is also kind of neat. So it, it's fun. It, it's a different way of playing that game. There's it's it's an interesting time, and and I love that game a lot. I think I think that art is is pretty solid. Even if I think Echo's art is even better. Um, I mean, the game looked. I thought the game looked really good whenever I played it. Yeah, it, it's just it's a good comfort food, and it's been a long time since I've played Awakening, uh, and. And it's nice to get back to these characters that I know so well, especially after playing something like Fire Emblem Heroes last year and right. getting reacquainted with some of those characters in, in a really shallow way because there's not much you can do with them in Heroes. It's just, hey, you got, the, you got the hero, now you can play with them. It's not like you're getting a bunch of lines of dialogue or something or, or hearing a lot of story out of it. But... There was there's something nice about oh yeah hey I remember Crom and Lucina and and all these characters and now I'm I'm getting back to the to the game that they're from and and hearing more right. about them so I know the last thing you want to hear is a lot more Fire Emblem talk from me and I just gave you a lot of it <laughs> so well, uh, I'll tell you this much though you should be proud of me because the I'm standing in your footsteps or in the shadow you're casting 2018 I I too have started a strategy game oh. Yes, and this was one that you've been on my ass to start. Yes, and um, I started on my iPad. Uh, XCOM enemy. Very cool. How are you uh, liking it so far? I am. I'm really digging it. And uh, you know, I you know how much I enjoyed Mario and Rabbids. I absolutely love that game. Uh, I was completely surprised by it. It was my first uh, strategy game of that liking that I really was able to play, and not only play but Beat, spent a lot of time with it. So going into the XCOM, uh, it was kind of like, okay, you went through the, the the bumpers for bowling, so to speak, and now right. you're going to be playing bowling without the bumpers. And uh, there's a lot more to it. Like there's a lot more moving pieces. Um, I know that you talked briefly whenever you're recapping about uh, XCOM Two mm -hmm. about just some of the the stuff between the battles that felt a little bit more like upkeep, and it's like, hey, here, here's like mission command okay, they want you here, they want you here, go talk to this person. I don't mind that stuff so much. Uh, it's early in the game, and I'm still getting my, my footing on 
some of the like mechanics that go into it and like working through classes and my loadouts. Right. There's a lot more to it, which the the collector in like the things that you can get in games and like upgrading class and things like that, I really do appreciate. So I've got a heavy and a sniper right now. Um, you are a sniper from Canada. Nice. Um, you're a Canadian sniper, so do with that what you will. Um, and I'm I'm enjoying it. Like the, the combat is familiar enough from what I did with Mario and Rabbids, and I feel really silly talking about Mario and Rabbids as like the precursor to XCOM. <laughs> like, like it's absolutely the other way around. Yeah, you're doing it a little backwards, but but it's good. I mean, this is this is what you'd hope from a game like Mario and Rabbids is that that kind of that kind of combat can be a gateway drug to people to to get into the more hardcore uh, versions of, of something like XCOM. And, and man, yeah. I really I really like that first XCOM game so much. And and I think it works pretty solidly on the iPad. Are you are you playing this with a controller or touch controls? It does not have support. Oh, okay. Okay. So it is all touch. And you know, it works out pretty well because they've implemented some gestures really well into it. So uh, one that I thought was neat was there's two levels, at least so far in the game, where, like, hey, you want your guy to go up on this roof. Yeah. To view, like, the paths to that, swipe up with two fingers or swipe down to see that level. Right. That's pretty smart. Um, there's a... I'm, I'm mimicking a rotating with my index finger and my thumb right now, but if I wanted to, like, rotate the view on the screen, uh, you just twist the screen and it rotates. It's really nice. And, of course, what you've come to learn with... Uh, a multi-touch device, the pinching to zoom in and out works really well. And you can pan around on the screen quite a bit. There, there's something playful and uh, a bit intimate about using uh, a touchscreen device or something like this. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, the mechanics work well for a game of this nature. If it was consistent movement, it was a game like Gears of War, where absolutely important, but you needed to move through it. Like I would say, eh, not for me on this platform. I'll play it somewhere else. But Again, it works really well here, and uh, yeah, being, I'm excited to play through it. Being turn-based, almost like a game of chess in a way, with like, super advanced pieces, but that's it, it gives you the freedom, it gives you, I mean, that's what I love about strategy games, and that's why, that's part of the reason why I want to do Strategy 18. I, I just find them to be relaxing in, in a way, because you can kind of sit back and really plan out your strategy, but then you also get this tension of, well, did you choose the right strategy? And and you know you have to think through all your options to find the best best course of action. And and I think there's that really nice balance that comes with those kind of games that I just don't get from. I mean, you don't get from a shooter because now because that there's just right. constant motion and movement happening, and and sometimes a lot of it feels like more more often than not especially for me because i don't feel like i'm that great at it it's like wow that's that was just really unlucky or that person came around that corner and and what could i really have done about that or and i feel like spawned here right exactly and and strategy games i think give me a little bit more recourse to to say okay no this is this is going to show my superiority that i that i'm actually doing things correctly and and i don't know it almost has like a it's. It almost feels like a little more fair in a way. Yeah, I, I totally get that. So, I mean, I'm not very far into this game. It's absolutely one that I'll continue to play through. Um, again, this is a situation where 
I used to play on my iPad. Pretty much that's it. When I was on the go, that's all I had. Now that I have a Switch and I have 3DS I can use, uh, I have some options ahead of me. And quite honestly, like the touchscreen controls just feel silly in comparison and some of the experiences you get there. But this is a game that works well. I found myself, um, when I was playing FTL mm-hmm. on my iPad, where it was like more of a strategy game based there, that's another game you can bring back into it, uh, the fold for Strategy 18. I yeah, I, I think if I did, I'd go back to the the PC version uh, or, okay. or playing on my MacBook. I, I didn't really like the iPad version. It felt cluttered to me, uh, or it felt okay. like a lot of things overlapped where it didn't. In the in the bigger screen real estate you got out of having it on a on a laptop screen, that uh, just yeah there was something about the iPad version that that bugged me in the way that it controlled or and the way that it looked and and I didn't feel comfortable in it, uh, even though I think that's it, it's a pretty solid port and if 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 that was the version I played first I think it wouldn't have been an issue. It's just that I've played it in this other way, and that's what I'm used to. But, man, yeah, FTL is a hell of a game. What I, I guess the reason I bring that game up in this conversation now is that there's certain games that, like, if I was zoning out, like, if there was a TV show on, like, what I like about these games is that I can um, almost passively play them at times. I mean, FTL, maybe not so much, but a game like XCOM, like, I can be watching something, and if there's an interesting moment happening on the TV show, I can pause what I'm doing and watch that and come back into it and not right. really have any recourse on that. So I'll continue to play this. Uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. If you get distracted watching a television show and you let me die, I will I will, I will. come back and, and haunt your ass. <laughs> I'm sure of it. <laughs> um, uh, I just want to throw in a quick update really quick on, on Destiny. So we, we always talk about Destiny on the show. We don't really speak to like, hey, what are you going... What are you going back to this game for? And I thought that would be something interesting to bring up tonight. So I'm at the point with this game where uh, I, it's comfort, complete comfort. It's familiar. There's a few things that I'm really trying to get. Uh, this past week, I was able to to check a pretty big one off. So when they introduced the second season of this game, they brought in a uh, collection of armor ornaments for the Vanguard Tactician Armor. Mm-hmm. And they had certain things that you could unlock doing weekly strikes. And the arms was the last piece I had, and I got the arms unlocked. So I have the ornament for the entire Vanguard armor set now, which I'm really happy with. Um, there's two exotic, those three exotic guns I don't have. And two of those came in from the season. One of which was a returning weapon from Destiny 1, which is the Jade Rabbit, mm-hmm. one of your favorites. I was able to get that last week from Xur because I haven't got it an you know, that hasn't occurred naturally for me out of all the exotics I get in that game. I have not got the Jade Rabbit naturally. <laughs> so I had to spend some of my shards on it. Um, tomorrow, Zer returns. I'm at a point now with my Warlock where I have all the exotic armor. I've got all the exotic guns except for two, one of which you can only acquire by completing the raid. That's the raid shotgun. Right. I am pretty sure I'm going to get Crimson tomorrow. And... Uh, I'm excited about that. But the other pieces I've been doing, there's a new set of weapons you get from Big Brother V, Brother Vance of Vance Refrigerations. Uh, he's the, the Osiris enthusiast that guards the lighthouse. He is uh, going to be giving you weekly chores for these verses, and you do all this collecting from public events, crucible, you know, typical Destiny stuff. Bring me so many of these items, you get this item. 
And I think, pretty sure that I'm two guns away from having all the guns he offers in this season, which I'm really excited about. So, um, do you want me to tell you about Perfect Paradox, one that you were trying to get the shotgun? Uh, I mean, I, I know there's like a story quest that I, that I unlocked. I just haven't done it yet. I haven't played Destiny for a little while. I'm hoping to play a little bit more this weekend so I can unlock some of that stuff. But I'm not going to tell you that because I think okay. that you'll really appreciate it. Okay. So, um, but that shotgun is really good. I'll say that much. I enjoy that shotgun a whole lot. And nice. that's my, my Destiny code thing. There was some, if you haven't had a chance, uh, Bungie put out some news today, kind of outline the next next year and there's some pretty good ownership about the feedback that they've gotten especially in the second season and um you know there's been a lot of previous posts where they're saying things like hey we're listening to you hey we're we're going to get better and to me this one felt pretty genuine and pretty transparent like because you guys said these things like here's our plan we're not going to be able to we've always done updates in the past where we only talk to you about things that we had like pretty definitively in the pipeline but now we're going to pull the veil back a little bit further and show you things that like we know are an issue are beginning thoughts on it and what we're going to continue to listen to from the community on trying to correct it. And they've outlined like very definitively, there's some uh, charts and graphs that go with it about what's behind expansions and like what they want to continue to give to all players, regardless of what you pay for. And they even made mention of like, we've kind of tipped the scales in favor to test some of those things that you'd have to get through that. And they're going to be bringing in some of those exotic skins, um, sparrows, ghost shells, ships, et cetera, through completing uh, public events, through completing strikes. They're going to be available uh, through those. Um, Tests will pretty much be more like emotes and things of that nature. Like she originally was destiny. Um, But again, like that's a whole other conversation. If you are a listener of the show and you are somebody who has a passionate opinion or just opinion in general about destiny, good or bad, take time to read that blog post that's on their website. And it sounds like there's going to be some more uh, frequent updates on what they're working on. Which I'm all in for transparency. I think that's a great thing for the community. Sounds good. And uh, there should be a new faction event coming up relatively soon. I know they showed a 16. Okay. I know they showed like a big list of weapons that, that are all new from that. And, and some of those seem, pretty cool or at least or like they're they're all just kind of like reskins of of guns that we have but with other perks on them so yeah uh, for sure um and it looks like they're mixing up some of the stuff too like uh i know that there's like the future world quick guns this time looks a little bit different than what they did the last run yeah uh, it still seems like the uh dead orbit stuff is more of what you would get from the the european dead zone mm-hmm. um but you have the faction rally 16th and then i believe on the 30th of this month they are going to do another iron banner run yeah so then that all leads into um they're doing the crimson days which is the uh kind of like two-player or group activity stuff yeah your valentine stuff yeah but still no word on sparrow racing huh (laughs) no uh that I remember correctly, so they didn't do the, the Valentine's Day event last year um, with Destiny One. Like it just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. They had the chocolate shell. Like they had some stuff for it. Like they had a chocolate shell. They had like a Hershey Kiss looking shell. But then they did the Sparrow Racing uh, at, like around the dawning into that period. Okay. So I'm hoping that maybe they'll bring that into it as something you can participate in if you're not necessarily into. Um, 
crucible activities or anything right like that. yeah I, like i never cared about doing that crucible pair stuff especially because you'd get like pink and pink and red armors and i just i, I didn't those weren't the colors those weren't the shaders that i was looking to get so cool uh, all right. Well, to move from one of the biggest games out right now to one of the smallest games, <laughs> smallest, uh, most intimate games that I've ever played, uh, Bobby, I want to tell you about this game that I played. And I told, I, I mentioned it to you before. Did you actually get a chance to play it? So I, I didn't, unfortunately. That's that's good because I kind of want to just tell you about it. Okay. <laughs> um, so this game came out in February of 2017, and I wish that I had known it was a thing uh, before our Game of the Year stuff, because I think I would have tried to find a place for it. I don't think it would have made my top 10 or anything, but but man, I, I had a very good experience with this game. So the game is called Packing Up the Rest of Your Stuff on the Last Day at Your Old Apartment. Makes okay. a, it makes a really nice acronym. Um. And it's a it's a really tiny game. You you are in this room, and there are 32, 36, something like that. There's 30-something objects in this room. And you have three boxes of, of various sizes, and you need to pick up this stuff that's in your room and, and put it into these boxes because you are you are moving out of your old apartment. And Every time you pick up something, it will give you a, just a tiny tidbit of story that goes along with what that object means wow. means to you, uh, or means to your character, rather. So you pick up a mug, and it says, hey, yeah, I got this mug in this place, and uh, I was with this person, and you know, I, thought it, I just thought it looked cool. And okay, so okay, yeah, hey, this mug means something to this person. I want to keep all, keep this mug because you can also there's also a big bag uh, where you can donate stuff. And okay. the the trick, and and there really isn't that much of a trick to the game, but the the small trick that's there is that you couldn't even if you are a master master Tetris player, you are not going to be able to fit in all of this stuff into the three boxes they give you. You're going to have to donate something. So. You kind of, it is a game about letting go a little bit and also kind of what you cherish. And it just, I just had a really good time with it. There, there's part, there's a part of me that enjoys that, that kind of Tetris style base emotion of, of packing, of packing something really efficiently and, and storing things where it needs to go and everything has this little proper place and and this game has that in the form of like like all the objects have particular shapes and even though there's not a grid laid out on the on the screen you are able right. to kind of figure out okay this there are there are blocks this this box this medium sized box has four more or less columns and four four or so rows on it so i know that okay this this boot is going to be two things high but it's it's also two things uh long but there's there's a kind of space uh in it takes up three blocks altogether is what i'm saying you could essentially put like a bottle or something next to it right exactly in fact that's totally what i did i put a bottle of 
some kind of pills, uh, some kind of like, uh, or no, it was a foot powder. That was it. Uh, like I, I put this bottle of foot powder on top of the toe of the boot. And then I put the second boot on top of all of that. And then I put something else in, in that little slot there. Oh, so there's depth you can go. Yeah. You, you, yeah, you can go higher too. It, it is in 3d. It, it's a, it, it is, I mean, calling it a walking simulator is kind of a misnomer because you're, you're not walking that far. Really. You are just in this single bedroom of, of an apartment. But there's, it totally is, but there is just something nice about going through this small space and picking up all the little things in it and getting the little tidbits of story. And it makes you nostalgic for something that you never experienced. Like now, like there's a, there's a rain stick in the corner. And you pick up the rain stick and it tells you a little bit of story about it. It's like, oh, wow, I feel like I was there. And I know that I wasn't. But now I feel very attached to this rain stick. And I need to make damn sure that it's going to uh, my next apartment with me or my next place of, of uh, residency. Uh, and <laughs> and even on the, the page, it's a free game. I think it's on, is it on Itch? I don't remember. I think somebody yeah, tweeted on, about yeah, it. On- on itch right now it's available it looks like on linux mac and windows yeah i i think it's like a it's more of like a pay pay what you want thing but i mean you could yeah. you it could be free um and it's just man i i had a great time with it i <laughs> i became attached to a rain stick damn it um so did you spend more time because i'm on the website right now and yeah looking at the they say the average session for this game is about a half hour. Yeah, it took me way longer than that. <laughs> right, and, and not because not because it was hard, not because of any other particular reason. Then I just couldn't. I just enjoyed being there. There's there was something. Yeah. It, I don't know. It was kind of transformative in a way. I, I really really liked it. But then, like once you've packed everything in boxes, you can close the box then you get this tape uh and you can tape up the box and now it's locked in and now you can't you can't go back and open that box back up and then you can move the boxes out into the hallway and then you can move the mattress out into the hallway and and now once everything is out now you now you kind of just you get this chance where you get to walk through some of the rest of the apartment you can walk down the hall you can walk into the bathroom, you can go into the kitchen, and everybody else has already moved out of the place. So it's all just barren. But you can just see one last time, here's all your stuff in the hallway, and then you walk down these stairs and out the door. And, and as you're walking down the stairs, you see all the credits uh, lined up on the wall. And it's, uh, it's just such... It's a game that just hit me perfectly i i haven't even moved that many times i've only moved a few times in my life but there is just something that that touched me of yeah i've i've sat down in front of a box and held things in my hands and tried to decide whether or not it was worth keeping and at the same time also just whenever you pick something up all the memories rush back to you of where you were when you got this object and who was with you and, and why it meant so much to you at the time. And, uh, it just, it just hit me in that kind of, uh, nostalgic way that, 
Uh, it, it's really good. Interestingly enough, the, right around Christmas, actually like the week after Christmas, mm-hmm. so Sarah and I, uh, during Black Friday, we had found some shelves for our basement. We have an unfinished basement. And one of those things that's like long been on the list of things that we've been putting off is we need to organize and clean up our basement. And like when we moved into the house, um, our basement is an area that we just, we only go down there for laundry. We just kind of threw these totes and shit in the corner of the basement and it became like just a pile of stuff that was getting a bit out of control. Like, hey, we'd get a box for a new product or a new appliance and we'd leave the box down there for a while or whatever. And so there were some periods where I wasn't feeling great, Sarah wasn't feeling great. I'm like, I'm going to go down to the basement, I'm going to start to kind of get a handle on things. I put together these shelves to put them up there and I started to pull these boxes out of the corner and man, some of these boxes hit me pretty hard, uh, of just like stuff that like I had forgotten I had and that like definitely played a pretty big part in a previous life, but doesn't have a whole lot of purpose in the one I'm in now. Right. And it came to a point where it's just like, all right, like, are you going to keep these memories and boxes in the basement or are you going to like let them go somewhere else and be for somebody else? Right. And so like, I started taking some of the shit and put it in the bags. I'm like, there was things I was going to donate, um, just kind of that purging. And like, it was so good to like, just like clearing space. Like I'm sweeping up a spot. I got a shelf up or stuff on the shelf. Now I'm like, all right, the stuff that I'm putting here is purposeful to who I am today. And I mean, I, I cherish my memories. I don't think that they belong in boxes, personally speaking. And for me, like to, to be able to let go of some of that stuff, like it's just funny to hear you talk a little bit about this game. And I went and looked at some of the screenshots on the website. It's like, yeah, man, I just, I just was recovering some of this. I wasn't packing things up necessarily besides Christmas ornaments, but I've moved a few times. I've moved across the country a few times and it's, it's, uh, it's always weird. Yeah, put things that you, know, you need and keep things you don't. Totally. I mean, th- this this whole game is based on this balance of sentimentality versus practicality. In fact, there there are a few items in this in this game that are 100 percent practical. There's like a box of uh, a, I think like a box of rice, and, and like there's an avocado. And like, yeah, sh- should I take this to my new apartment? Like, maybe I'd need something to eat there. And and my thought was. Now I can buy another avocado. This avocado means nothing to me. Like let's throw it away. Like that's that's just going to take up space. And I I don't know if there's a way to do this because I don't think this game has any sort of of tracking or or internet feedback. But I would want a spreadsheet or some kind of infographic of here are the items that people donated. Here's mm-hmm. here's what people thought they could live without. And seeing what people would do, because you could, you could just put every single thing on your shelves, in your cabinets, any of that stuff. You can put all of that just in the donation bag and just leave. You don't have to pack any of it. And did you, did you do that just to see what I, happens? No, because that would be that would be terrible. Why would you do something like that? I'm not a monster, not even virtually. <laughs> Why is that person leaving? I I get yes, yeah, sure. I that could be it, you can. It's a game that allows you to bring that into it, into it, for sure, for sure. But there are also these little stories attached to every item that you pick up. So, so you you aren't just fully ascribing meaning to these items. There is something inherent into each of them. 
and and you'll get attached to things. Like I I picked up a set of plates, and first I thought like plates, who the fuck like these these plates aren't that interesting, like whatever. And then the you see the little bit of story on it, and your mom got you these plates when you first moved into your first apartment, and you know you didn't think you wanted them, but now now you're really happy you have them. Like oh that. I want to keep these plates. <laughs> like I can't, I can't get rid of these plates. These are mom's plates. Right. Right. Uh, I just had a fantastic time with it. So, so please, uh, if you can go and play packing up the rest of your stuff on the last day at your old apartment, it's on itch itch.io. And, uh, you know, please, please give the developer something if you can, because I, I just had a great time with it. It should take you 20, 30 minutes. Or if you're a big sentimental softy like me, maybe it could take you closer to an hour. But it's still a very short experience and, and one that I thoroughly enjoyed. So, something I didn't enjoy, but <laughs> was also, also in the same vein of having to figure out how to to get over things. <laughs> oh uh, God, what a what a terrible transition! But I'm going to let you have it. Um, you know, I didn't have to pack anything up, but I certainly had to decide what was worth getting over. And uh, this game is called Getting Over It with Bennett Foddy. Mm-hmm. And um, this is my first taste at a history of what appears to be just frustrating games um on the website see it right here written i created this game for a certain kind of person to hurt them and um i don't particularly care for for very difficult games like i think i I think dark souls and bloodborne and all that shit's just fucking stupid and it's just not for me i know that there's people out there that want to master it I mastered Neo. Good for you. But this is a game that is just so fucking pompous in its ability to like want to aggravate. It's like it knows it's difficult and it doesn't do anything to try and help you figure that out. Like it just, if anything, it's the type of person that sits over your shoulder when you're trying to like look where to click on a computer screen. And they're like, it's in the upper corner, it's in the upper corner, no below that. It's like the person navigating you through a terrible experience. So there's this really interesting design choice. Um, for those of you who haven't seen this game, um, you are a shirtless man that looks an awful lot like uh, our Lord and Savior from Russia, uh, Mr. Putin. And he is holding a sledgehammer with kind of like this, it's not necessarily an axe or a pick, but it's got a wedge shape on one end of it. And uh, from his nipples down, he is in a cast iron cauldron. Mm-hmm. And that is your lower half. And the mechanics are you moving in clockwise or counterclockwise movements, this hammer. And you're progressing through what looks to be like a sewage spill out point of dump area. And you're navigating and moving this hammer in a way to move your body over these jarring edges and obstacles. And it is a real motherfucker, this game. Yeah, so so Bennett Foddy, uh, some of his other previous works that you may know of, uh, he made Quop, uh, which is a, a running 
I guess simulator is a way of describing that, but prob- probably not. Uh, probably not the most accurate word. Uh, and then the sequel to, to that was Clop, where, uh, where now you control an entire horse. And, and these were keyboard games where you had to, to make some weird... Uh, uh, key, he ascribed motions or ascribed um, meaning to these keys to, to make them feel like joints. Uh, or yeah, or body parts. And yeah, and and it just made them incredibly difficult to play. Just in, incredibly abstract in in the way they moved. And once you were able to get a hold and and master that control, then it was just it, it wasn't that bad of a game. But it really was something that you'd bounce off very quickly because like, oh, this controls like shit. I don't want to play this anymore. And, and I feel like the developer is totally fine with that of, of here. I made this really esoteric thing. And if you can't handle it on its terms, then like, you just have no business playing it. It's not for you. And that's fine. Uh, this game, despite still being extremely difficult, extremely precise in a lot of, the, the things it asks you to do, I feel like it's probably one of his most accessible games. Uh, yes, I would say that. Because I think control-wise, it's it's not that hard to to at least like get the basics down. Uh, this this game is right. is mouse movement, and and I think you can play with a controller, right? Uh, I don't know about that. I'm I am a terrible person, and I'm playing this on my iPad. Mm. Well, actually, how are the touch controls? Because I, I could see that being maybe potentially easier. I don't know. Um, you know, it's the only thing I'll say is difficult about that is that you are obstructing a lot of your view. Ah, that's fair. Because you're moving it. like So I'm tapping on the head of the hammer, and I'm, like, moving that. Now I can stop my hand, like, not stopping a, a digital piece. Like, I'm moving my finger and stopping if I need to. So like it, that was really weird um, to get the movement down. The controls suck. I don't think the controls get any better across the board. I mean, like it's it's literally circular movements with a a giant fucking hammerhead. And the physics of this game are phenomenal, like in the best way and worst way possible. Like I I'm sure like those of you with flop, like getting those movements from the physicality of your body was something. But you might hang up. There's it's just so fucking frustrating to talk about. Like, there'll be a part where, like, you swing the hammer around and you might be on a particular branch of a tree that works really well for you, but as you start to, like, jar your pedal upwards, a lip might get caught on another one. So you have to figure out how to adjust the hammer enough to bring it around. And then you have to start to realize that there might be certain points that you just need to, like, fling yourself over. Right. Like, don't even get into it. But where the game really shines and where like it's one of those situations where you don't want to laugh and you don't want to smile. is like, maybe you've made some good progress. You're making your way up this pile. You slip, you miscalculate, you fall back down, you start over. Um, because the game just has like this really, you know, whimsical piano and you're starting and you're moving this character around with very little description. You get to a point then where all of a sudden then a body starts talking to you. And he gives you essentially a, like a spiel on losing a paper. After you've been working on typing a paper the whole time, having to start over completely. 
and just like this really like pompous explanation about failure <laughs> and why it's a good thing. And then as you're progressing, like you think, okay, that was just an introduction to the game. Like you won't hear anything for a long time and maybe we'll take another big fall. And then he's going to come back and be like, oh, you did it again. Well, you know, like go into it, give you this big. There's almost like a, a running director's commentary in, in this. Yeah, and absolutely. It's like he's, he's obviously taken some inspiration from games like The Witness or, or even uh, something newer. Um, what's the uh, Everything, the, the game uh, that has a lot of philosophical stuff that you can find in there as well. And I, and I feel like he's taken those ideas and said, yeah, but also, like, what if I fucked with the player a little bit? Like, wouldn't that be fun? And and I kind of appreciate that. I, it's a game that I wouldn't mind trying. I, I don't think it's a game I want to to get good at and master because I, I think there's something still masochistic about it. But I, I kind of applaud this game for for existing. I'm happy that it exists. I'm happy that people are are playing around with it. I'll just say this much because I don't want to spoil a whole lot. Um, but there's going to be some parts where you're going to just like rapid fire fuck up. Oh, and yeah. It starts to happen. Like compounding your failures is kind of what this oh, game is yeah. all about. So as you're compounding, they, the narrator starts to compound these like motivational quotes from celebrities and philosophical people. <laughs> and so it's literally just like quotes about like starting, fucking up, succeeding. And all these are happening as you're just like swinging this hammer and fucking moving the kettlebell body. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, so this game's on iOS. It's on Steam. Play, play it wherever you can. Uh, it's a good, like, I've got five minutes to kill. Like, I'm going to see what I can do with this for sure. And if you really want to feel bad about yourself, like, watch the speed runs for this game. Because they are, they are done in minutes. Like people, people can fly through this game, and then oh, knowing how difficult it might be for you because the controls are—they're they're, just—they're just tough. They're—they're they're tough to get to get your head wrapped around. God, if that's not a fucking metaphor for why it's there. And you're struggling just getting over a tree stump, and you got people fleeing <laughs> across the level. Uh, and then, lastly, Thanks. for me, like I—I've been playing this really small uh, Switch game. It's called Sheppy. It's a card game about sheep and uh, and multiplying those sheep. It's an interesting little card game. I yeah. I, you know, I like card games. It's it's kind of fun and it's super cheap. I think it's like three five dollars something like that. Um, yeah. it, it's something that uh, one of my friends turned me on to with his game of the year list, and I was like, I I don't even know what that game is, so that intrigues me. And uh, yeah, it, it's. There's actually some interesting story stuff into it uh, that you can kind of play these chapters uh, that that add a couple of extra rules to the card game itself, but you're getting little bits of story that that go in weird places. But uh, the the game itself is is just kind of this nice, fun, hand drawn illustrations of of these sheep and. It's a it's a weird game, and it's something that it's something it's something that I really appreciate in card games is a card a digital card game that works in in real life. Like you could make you could print out physical cards for all of this stuff and play it in front of you. It looks uh, neat. It's it's good. Where I mean, a game like 
a game like Hearthstone, I think you probably could. I don't know. What do you mean? Uh, you mean a game like Gwent from the Amazing series, The Witcher? Uh, I don't know enough about Gwent to know if it's physically possible to to really play that game in in a physical setting. Um, maybe it is. Like, I, it it doesn't seem that difficult, isn't it? Just kind of like three rows on each side for people. Yeah, I yes. think I think you could probably make that work. But there, but there are other card games that I've played where like they are fantastical card games that take advantage of being on a digital device and would never be made physical because that would kind of break a lot of the the illusion or break a lot of stuff that works with the game. So I, I can appreciate a, a game like this that you could totally make a deck of and play in real life and, yeah. and be totally fine. But it, it's an interesting kind of solitaire-like game, really. And, uh, and did this game start out on the Switch originally? I'm not sure. It, it might have been on Steam beforehand. But... Uh, okay. But... I don't know. I, I like it, and and again, super cheap. Uh, it's it's super easy to pick up and and start playing. So, pretty pretty uh, good game, actually. Um, it looks like there is a board game version of this. That wouldn't surprise me. There is. Um, I don't know if it's just somebody who made it, um, and printed out and did what you're talking about, mm-hmm. but. Uh, BoardGameGeek.com has a a list for it. Cool. Yeah, Sheppy. Yeah. It's super cheap. It's it's kind of fun. It's got it's got something to it. I like it. Cool, man. Uh, well, Chase today. Speaking of the Switch, right? Was a was a day for Nintendo. It was. There's been all this uh, all these rumors flying around that there was going to be a Nintendo Direct today, and. Then we hadn't heard anything, and we hadn't heard anything, and people kind of gave up. And then Nintendo, Nintendo, do what? People were irate. Uh, yeah, I I was kind of among those people. Like I've been dying to to hear some new information about Switch games in 2018, one specifically, and uh, and I was a little annoyed that I hadn't heard anything more about it. So so hearing that there was going to be or not hearing that there was going to be this Nintendo Direct that everyone thought it was going to happen was was kind of a bummer. And then Nintendo sent out a cryptic tweet of Chibi-Robo uh, on fire, and that was weird. And then, uh, surprise, there was a Nintendo Direct today. And it was yeah. a Nintendo Direct Mini, and it was really short. It was like 15 minutes, but they packed it. They packed it full of stuff. I'm looking at 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12... 14, 15, like 15 big entries, and that's like something of every minute there, man. Like, yeah, a lot going. Yeah, um, except for one particular game. Chase, what was missing? <sighs> we didn't hear anything about Fire Emblem 2018 for the Switch, uh, which which bugged me a lot because this Nintendo Direct said it was solely focused on games coming to the Nintendo Switch in 2018. And that's a game that's coming out in 2018 for the goddamn Switch. Where's my Fire Emblem talk, damn it? Are you are, are you telling me that Nintendo of America doesn't fucking listen to the casual hour and understand that we're in the midst of beginning strategy 18? I think I think what's actually going to happen is that they'll have a separate Nintendo Direct uh, that is solely focused on Fire Emblem. There yeah. there are some things happening. Uh, Fire Emblem Heroes first uh, first year anniversary is coming up relatively soon and i think they're going to announce some some stuff with that 
they could announce another character pack for... I, we already know there's going to be more DLC for Fire Emblem Warriors, but we don't know the actual right. characters yet, so I could see them packaging up, hey, here is this thing, this thing, this thing. By the way, maybe Tokyo Mirage Sessions is coming for, for the Nintendo Switch as well. That would be a great place to announce it on, like a Fire Emblem uh, thing. And they've already would done... You buy that game again? I would absolutely buy that game again. Would I play that game again? Maybe not, but I would absolutely buy it again. Um, I want to play that game. You should. It's an amazing game, and if it ever does come to Switch, which it absolutely should, uh, then that would be a great game for you to you to try. But, uh, like, I... They've already done uh, Fire Emblem Directs in the past. Uh, I think they did one to announce Fire Emblem Heroes, or at least announce a lot more information about Fire Emblem Heroes. So it wouldn't surprise me if they did one again here in the next few weeks or next month. But uh, I think it was it is later in January that, that Heroes debuted, so I would think there would be something sooner rather than later. Anyway... There was a lot of information here, and I think uh, it'd be good just let's let's run down this list because there's stuff that I think interests us, stuff that probably doesn't, but I would like to get some some quick hit reactions uh, from both of us on a lot okay. of this stuff. So the first thing they showed here is the World Ends With You Remixed is coming to the Switch in 2018. Uh, that is a DS game, which is fascinating. A, a game that... Did you play it? I did not. Um, I've heard so many good things about it. That it's the the fashion system stuff uh, with the way it blends RPG elements into it is actually really good. Um, I heard people liked the combat. Now, the the thing that I've always seen is when you've seen that game running, it actually uses both screens of the DS. There's two characters fighting at once, and one is fighting on the top screen and one's on the bottom screen. You have to control both characters at the same time. And that's... That what that for me that was kind of the deal breaker of why I didn't play that game is that just seemed like a lot to keep track of and I I didn't feel like I could engage with a game like that. But now that it's coming for Switch or this remixed version is coming for Switch, Switch only has one screen, so I'm I'm very interested to see how they translate a game like that to the Switch. And if they do a good job, I would love to see other DS games or even 3DS games find their way yeah. to the Switch as well. Totally. I just those those two systems were things that I'd more or less written off, thinking like, oh well, how could you possibly shoehorn that stuff in? And and some games you're still not going to be able to because they really do use the two screens in a way right. that like I I don't think you could you could not play Hotel Dusk on a Switch the same way you could on the DS. I could just could you play Mario Maker? Uh, that's yeah. I mean, that's a tough question. I, way to do it. I, I think I think there's ways, but it it might have too much uh, too much baggage with it, or, or too much additional effort that would it, that it would require to to maybe be worth it. I, I don't know. We'll see. Because uh, I think so. Like that's a game they should do if they could. I watched a video on the world ends with you. Mm-hmm. I wasn't immediately gripped by this. Um, I'm not writing it off completely, but I'm just saying that out of what was announced today, this one uh, has kind of come and gone with me. Now, you being somebody who has had, obviously, your game on the go, seeing this at this 10-year anniversary or whatever it would be, is this a game that you think that you're going to pick up? Uh, you know, I've been intrigued by this game for long enough. I've heard really good things about it. It's a Square Enix joint, and I could see myself playing this. Um, 
Okay. I want to know how much it's going to cost. That that's the part bucks. that fascinates me. I ooh, I think it's going to be more expensive than that. Really? That I would be I would buy it day one if it was twenty bucks. I think this is going to be closer to thirty or forty dollars, May, maybe wow. even full price. Uh, and that would be that would be weird to me. Like it's I think on the DS originally it would have been a thirty or thirty five dollar game. So right. I don't know, uh, but. I'm more interested in that as an exercise for how you would price other legacy yeah. games like that going forward. And, and that also oh, brings yeah. me to the idea of just wanting more information on any sort of uh, virtual console kind of thing. But uh, let's move on here. So they, they then talked about Pokken Tournament DX. They have some new DLC coming to that. Um, I didn't count all the assist character stuff. I know Mew and Mega Rayquaza and Celebi and Q. I think those are the four that they announced as, as new assist characters. Uh, but there are two... But they also have some new uh, battle Pokemon, right? Yeah, the, the two, two new main battle Pokemon that you can play as. Uh, one is Aegislash, which is the, the Sword and Shield Pokemon. And then Blastoise, and Blastoise comes in a second wave pack, but Aegislash comes in this first wave pack, and those are coming uh, relatively soon. I didn't get the exact dates on those, but um, like, it, uh, that's cool. I, I'm glad. Like, I, I I still don't own Pokémon Tournament. I don't think that's a game that I need, but uh, it's there's a demo of it for the Switch. Yeah, I, I should probably yeah. try the demo, but uh, I'm glad it's getting more content like this this is a game this was a wii u game and then when it got the dx version on switch they added some some characters to it and it was cool that they gave it that extra life and now they're putting even more work into it and that it's that's really neat i yeah i'm surprised there's as much work going into this game and not into other like wii u upgraded games for the switch like i i would think it would make some sense to put some Mario Kart 8 DLC out there. Like, yeah, you packaged up all the Wii U Mario Kart stuff, but maybe maybe throw some new tracks or some new characters in or there. Who knows? A whole new Mario Kart. Well, that's that has to be something they're thinking about. But but this game's doing right. really well for them, so I think they've got some time to to wait. And and that's why I think putting out some DLC for that makes some sense. Of like, hey, you already have this thing that people people have jumped onto and have reinvigorated the community. Like, let's throw out a little bit more for them. What uh, can you tell me yeah. about Kirby Star Allies? This was the game we saw at E3. This is the game where uh, multiple people can play. I think you can have up to four people playing at the same time. And Absolutely. and uh, you have, like, each, each person is... I don't know if they're all Kirbys. I think, like, some of them can be, like, Waddle Dees or something. But the idea is that all of you can have powers, and your powers can combine in different ways to solve puzzles and challenges. And it seems neat. Uh, it also, just knowing my experience from Kirby games, probably none of it's really that necessary. Uh, they, they showed one power where one person has um, a water power up and the other person has ice. And I guess the ice gives you kind of this ice wall thing that you can grow. And then the water person shot at the ice wall, and it made all of these icicles come out the other side and, yeah. like, spray. And that seems really cool. And at the same time, 
I like maybe there will be a puzzle that that will be required to use, but mostly I think like, Kirby games are easy. People will just get through it. But I'll e- probably be picking this one up. Yeah, like Kirby game on the Switch. It, it looks good. It's got some new powers in it. The artist power I think looks kind of cool. Where where yeah. Kirby paints some stuff. He painted a a kind of old school King DDD that that jumped out of the painting yeah. and and fought. Uh, there was like a train power that you could get. Like there's, there's, it seems fun. I like Kirby and Kirby on the switch yeah, should be, cool. should be pretty solid. So Kirby star allies that comes out March 16th. So sooner rather than later. And, and that should be fun. I, I didn't see anything about online play. I, I would, uh, well, is it, I thought they showed that you could do, uh, online co-op. Uh, did they, I, I don't remember seeing that, but I, I guess it wouldn't surprise me. I'm pulling that up right now. Okay. But. Let's see. I'm going to try and figure out here. Um, no. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's it's definitely a game where you can take your Joy-Cons off and share the Joy-Cons, and, and people will be just fine. And maybe your friend can bring over his two Joy-Cons, and you can play as a four-player game. But, uh, it yeah, like that's Kirby's cool. I, I think they've done some good work with Kirby, uh, especially since the Wii version, which was Return to Dreamland. They've they've done some good multiplayer console Kirby's lately, so uh, so I think this one will will follow in that legacy. Uh, we are also getting Hyrule Warriors Hyrule Warriors Definitive Edition that's coming out in spring of 2018 for the Switch. Did you ever end up playing one of those? I did. I, I'm thinking that, like, if this was something that I don't know if I'm going to pay 60 bucks for that game. Yeah. But maybe around holiday time next year, like, if there's an opportunity to grab this on the cheap. Um, I think if you were ever to try a Dynasty Warrior style game, this would be the one for you, just knowing your pre predisposition for yeah. Zelda stuff. Uh, it does package up all the DLC from the 3DS and Wii U versions and puts it into this single thing. They're. they're I didn't see anything really new for it. There are, there are new costumes. You can get Breath of the Wild costumes for Link and Zelda. Yeah, but, I think that was like the only new original thing. Yeah, no new characters. I, I would have liked to see uh, maybe like the four champions from, from Breath of the Wild they show up in this game. That, that would have made some sense to me. But, um, Especially if they got those amiibos for them, too. Right. But uh, honestly, I thought this game... For for being a Dynasty Warriors clone kind of thing, I mean, not a clone. It's made by the same people, so it's a an actual one of those. Um, I liked it a lot more than Fire Emblem Warriors. I, I think they do more things with it, or, or things that feel more authentic to Zelda that don't get in the way of the traditional Dynasty Warriors experience. Um, I still like regular Dynasty Warriors a little better than than what Hyrule uh, Warriors did, but. Uh, Hyrule Warriors is interesting, so I, I think, like I said, if, if you're going to try one of of the the Warriors games, I think this might be the one for you to try. Uh, but I'm that comes out in spring. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think a demo would make there sense for a, a game demo. like I think this. There was a demo on the Wii U when this came out. That's possible. Not sure. I, know, I hope they bring one. So, Bobby, this next one. Yes, I'm. Mm, I'm so close to being really excited for it. So it's uh, Mario Tennis Aces. It's coming to the Switch again, spring 2018. 
It's got a story mode attached to it. This is the first story mode they've made since the uh, the Game Boy Advance version of Mario Tennis, which I think was Mario Tennis Power Tennis or Power Tour or something like that. Um, and, I mean, this game is still being made by Camelot, the makers of such fine games as as Mario Golf and Mario Tennis for, for the Game Boy Color. Just, and also... pour one out for what could have been a Mario Golf of the story mode? Well, there is a Mario Golf with a story mode. It's called Golf Story, and it would probably kick the ass of anything that Nintendo would put out yeah, <laughs> at sure. this point. Um, so I think it's smart to, to go tennis instead. Uh, but this is Camelot, so it's the, the Golden Sun developers, which means they're not working on a new Golden Sun at this point, which is sad. served up to you. Yeah, and my... The issue I have here is that all the story mode stuff they showed has you playing as Mario. And I don't know if it forces you to play as Mario, or maybe you can pick any of the, the Mushroom Kingdom people. But I didn't see anything about custom characters. And that's one of the things I liked from at least the Game Boy Color games, is that they had their own characters that you could put in there and, and name after yourself and, and really build the skills. And And there was something nice about that that, the Mario characters were in there as well, but they were more of like an exhibition mode part. And, uh, and I'm super excited for this game. It, you know, it probably will control really well. If it does have some good RPG elements along with the story mode, I'll, I'll probably end up getting it. Uh, but there is just enough doubt after the last few Camelot games. Like I, I went back and played Mario Golf for the 3DS. Mario Golf World Tour, I think. I don't remember the name of it exactly, but... Uh, the, the 3DS Mario Golf game. And it's it's solid, but it just feels a little hollow at the same time. And uh, in that game, you could actually import your Mii and play as your Mii in that game. And that was, that was pretty neat, but there just wasn't much in the way of an RPG part. You weren't really developing your skills. You could get, uh, you can get certain gear that would, you know, give you a few extra yards to your, to your you know driver shot or something like that, but nothing nothing deep enough that I wanted like a golf story would have given you or or like the old Mario Golf and tennis games would have given you. So we'll see, but but definitely something I'm I'm keeping an eye on here, and sure. and spring's not that far away, so that's exciting. Well, but, we only got. We got a few more to get through here. Yeah, I mean, I think there's some stuff that we can run through here, like East East Eight, uh, Lacrimosa of Dana, Donna, whatever. Uh, that's coming out in summer of 2018. That's a long running RPG franchise that I've never touched. I've, I'm guessing you haven't played yeah. an East game either. <laughs> uh, one of our friends, they run the short game. Uh, one of the hosts there, Reagan, put a, t- a tweet up today talking about how he's had this game particularly in the cart for his Vita for mm-hmm. some time, and decided that he's going to hold out for this version. I don't know if there was some extra stuff or anything like that, but um, it looked pretty. I mean, I don't know much more about it than that. I will say that I think the East 8 looks way more interesting to me personally than Xenoblade, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Yeah. Did. there's. I just like... I know that there is a... There is going to be some JRPGs coming out this year. They, uh, the guys that made Persona, they have that new one that's coming out. It looks like, yep. I think I think it's this year. I've had an itch to do something like that uh, with with my Nintendo Switch, and I just don't know like 
Would it be something like this? Would it be something like Xenoblade? Uh, I'm just kind of waiting. Like, I've heard very mixed things on Xenoblade. And yeah. This doesn't be like. I don't know if I'm going to get that same like gripping experience. Yeah. Well, remember we didn't we didn't get any information about this game today either, which is bad. But um, there is that Project Octopath Traveler that's supposed to come out this year as well, the, the Square Enix joint that is right. really pretty looking. So that might be yeah. one to look at too. Uh, moving on here, we've got this free DLC for Super Mario Odyssey coming out here, uh, the Luigi Balloon DLC. Luigi has a bow tie. I saw that. It's good stuff. Uh, it looks like kind of like a hide and seek mode. Like there's, uh, you can yeah. you can have. I think they said you have thirty seconds to go hide a balloon, and then there's another mode where you get thirty seconds to find other players' balloons that they've hidden in the world. Yeah, and that seems like timing wise, that seems maybe not so good. Like I, I get I get having thirty seconds to run around a stage and finding the perfect hiding spot, but. Like if I was the person now looking around, I'd want more than thirty seconds. <laughs> like if yeah, that's very fair. Like thirty seconds to hide, maybe a little bit longer to find it. Yeah. So See, seeing a nice HD rendering of Luigi, though, that made me want it's good like, stuff. That made me want something more with Luigi. Like, yeah, those balloons are cool. Yeah, like more things that incorporate Mario Odyssey, but maybe we do something new with Luigi. I I would be okay with that. Uh, and there were a few new outfits, too. There's one based on Super Mario Sunshine. Yuck. Yep. Um, then a, a night suit. And what was the third one? Out, no, uh, oh, a New Donk City-style yeah, get-up. Music, musician. Yeah. So that, that's coming out this February, and, uh, yep. and it's free. free. So it's a good price. SNK Heroines Tag Team Frenzy coming on the Switch uh, September of 2018. So it's a fighting game. It's a, it's a fighting game with only the female characters from SNK games. So you're, you're King of Fighters and you're um, I should and you're Shinobi no, shit. I don't, I don't, uh, <laughs> I don't know a whole lot about SNK a games. A bunch of waifus going at it. Kinda? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, from from what they showed, it it seemed like a competent fighting game. The the one kind of new uh, system I saw in there is that you don't just you can't just beat somebody up using regular moves. You have to finish them off with like a a special sort of attack, uh, and that seems interesting. I, I oh, don't know. You mean like an all out attack? N- no, <laughs> no, <laughs> not 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 quite that cool. But uh, I don't know. It, it seemed okay. I've I, I just want them to make SNK or Capcom versus SK two. I want them to port that to the Switch. That would be a fantastic game uh, to to bring over and and get a lot of those characters in there. But but this seems fine. Maybe I mean it. It seems like a different thing than than your more hardcore King of Fighters games. And and there could be some people who are into that. Nice. I'm really excited for this next one. Yeah, you, you were just talking about liking Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle, and now you're getting a little bit more of it. There's Donkey Kong DLC that is coming spring of 2018. I think it, there's like a whole new scenario or like some new stages, yeah, and, uh, sure. and Donkey Kong is a new playable character, and it looks like he has some kind of boomerang banana 
type of attacks from from what they showed. They, they didn't actually show any like gameplay stuff, but they showed a trailer right. and, and he was throwing a banana around and it's just him, right? There's not going to be a rabbit variant of either. Correct? We we didn't see one. That doesn't mean there isn't one. Uh, but we didn't see one in this uh, this direct today. I mean, it's that that stuff's come out in spring, so they've got a little extra time if they wanted to say something. But this is something you brought up to me a couple shows ago of of whether I thought Ubisoft was going to put out DLC for this game, and I believe I said I didn't think so. Like I thought that. Yeah, you like, thought they would be done with it. Yeah, or that any ideas they had would probably go into a sequel rather than DLC for yeah. for this game. But uh, I don't know, kind of cool. I, I I'm excited. If if Donkey Kong's good, like maybe I'll I'll go in and try that again. I I wonder if you can only use Donkey Kong in the new content, or if you could take him back to the older I mean, stages as well. Because I, I, mean, I, I only I only completed the first two worlds, so if if maybe Donkey Kong has some cool kind of broken powers, I wouldn't mind bringing that into the uh, into the rest of the game and actually finish that game for real. That'd be that'd be cool for sure. Uh, next game chase. Ah uh, man, I'm so fucking. I don't know. Payday two. Yeah, which you're not you're not the biggest Payday fan or, or the biggest fan of this of developer. Is that Starbreeze? Yeah. So I mean, like I think the game is fucking neat. Like, it's a great concept. It seems like a good time to play with people, but I've just heard a lot of things that don't really sit well with me about how they've treated the community that plays that game. Well, and what if I told you that the developer played Watch Dogs 2 and really liked that one character that had the light-up Daft Punk goggles? Yes. And they made a whole new character that is just that. Really? Yeah, there's a new hacker character that's kind of got like a face mask helmet thing that has like a pixel heads up display thing that that shows a bunch of oh, shit God. on it. Like they they literally just took that character and said let's let's put that character in the game um, right. and take the and file the serial numbers off. So that comes out February 27th. If you're interested in Payday Two uh, with that new hacker character, uh, I guess that character is also coming to other versions of the game, but. Uh, it will absolutely come to the Switch version. Yeah. Uh, we're getting a couple of, of smaller indie titles here. I think EA is helping with both of these, like in some okay. kind of partner program thing. Uh, but we're getting... It's so sad to read a game that's FE and not have it be Fire Emblem. But um, I think it's Faye, or Feh, is, is coming out February 16th. That is the... Um, I think the developer is called Zoink. And that's one that we saw, was it at this E3 or last E3? But it's like a small game. It's got a lot of purples uh, in it. It's like a, it's kind of like a platformer thing, but I think there's something about like learning songs, potentially. I don't remember everything about this game. It, it's yeah, got a good look to it. And, and that game's coming out really soon. That's February 16th. So, uh, so that's cool. Yeah. They're on Celeste, right? Do what? Is it on Celeste? The Celeste is the second game. The, the oh, week. okay. Yeah, so Fez coming out February 16th. Celeste is actually coming out even sooner. That's January 25th. Uh, Celeste looks cool. If you, yeah, Celeste if, looks awesome. If you like games like Super Meat Boy or 1001 Spikes, uh, like maybe like 
old school Spelunky, like not not Spelunky HD or Spelunky that came for 360. I mean that that too, but I think the art style is is much more reminiscent of Spelunky Classic. Uh, this this might be a game for you. It's it seems hard. It, it seems like it's made to be challenging. Um, and and when I first seen when I first saw anything about this game. It, it looked like maybe it was too challenging for me. Like I, I didn't know if I wanted to touch something like that. But one of the things I saw in this direct today really kind of spoke to me. There are there's an assist mode option where you're able to tweak all sorts of things in the game. And one of the things oh, yeah. you can tweak is the the speed that the game plays at. You can actually slow down time for the entire game wow. if you wanted to. And I think there might even be levels that you can slow it down to. Uh, you can slow down to, to multiple different speeds. Uh, and, and that seems neat. And then it also seems like there's some extra challenge stuff that's in there as well for, for players who really master the controls. But uh, Celeste has always seemed cool to me. Uh, I know one of the people who actually has done some writing for that game. And I like seeing this trailer for it today got me interested. So that game comes out super soon, January twenty fifth, and uh, I be picking that one up I sure. think I might be picking it up too. That seems seems kind of cool. It's really pretty looking. So we're not finished with our Donkey Kong uh, dose today. We got Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. The Wii U game is getting a Switch port May fourth. Is this a lot? I mean, is it is it a Donkey Kong Country game? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a sequel to Donkey Kong Country Returns, which was the Wii game. Uh, Tropical Freeze came to the Wii U, and nobody bought it because it was on the Wii U. But the people who did play it said they really liked it. I'm, I, I thought Donkey Kong Country Returns was fine. Um, I, I didn't play I Tropical play Freeze, but I, I don't know. Sarah, Sarah and I really like Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong Country, and we recently have been playing it on this NES Classic. Yeah. And playing some two-player, just going back and forth with it, and, like, I love Donkey Kong Country when it came out. Um, I like Donkey Kong Country when it came out. I I don't think I like Donkey Kong Country now. Like, I've tried to go back, and I, I can... It's got some fucking pain points. Well, the weird thing for me is that when when I hear people say they they go back to that game... They say, yeah, it looks like shit, but it plays really well. And I kind of am the exact opposite. I still think it looks cool. Like, it looks neat. It looks neat. Especially, yeah, that, that's my thought. Is like, I, I don't think the controls are very good in that game. But I think that it actually looks, it still looks really fascinating from a Super Nintendo comparison standpoint. Like, this game doesn't look yeah. like anything else that the Super Nintendo puts out. I mean, that game some boundaries when it really did, but uh, um, that was a, a monumentally visually great game. Yeah, and the gameplay then we didn't know better, but now it's, it's a little rough. Yeah, so we're getting Tropical Freeze, and also you can play as Funky Kong. So before you could play as Donkey Kong, Diddy, Dixie, and Cranky, and now you have this extra fifth character of Funky Kong, which seems broken. <laughs> like, did you yeah. did you see all the stuff he can do? He, yeah. He's got a double jump, he can hover, he can land on spikes because he has a surfboard, and I guess he just doesn't give a shit about spikes anymore. He might as well be called the Kongdashians. They're all there. <laughs> <laughs> like it, 
I I kind of applaud Nintendo for that. Like that's for people who maybe have young kids who want to play this yeah. game too and not have that hard of an experience, or or just somebody who wants to try it out in a new way. Like the, it's it's cool that they're bringing in another character to play with. Funky Kong is ridiculous, but he's a good addition to that group. So I I can't be that upset about it. That that's that's cool. Good on Nintendo for that. Uh, and then the last thing. You know, they, they ended it with a real bang. Yeah. Uh, just looking at Bobby's face, he looks he looks so disappointed. And I I understand why. We are getting Dark Souls Remastered is coming out for the Switch on May 25th. Um, if you've heard previous shows, or hell, even if you heard <laughs> maybe an hour ago, <laughs> um, we're not the biggest fans of Dark Souls here on, on the show. Uh, our our co-host, Johnny Amosich, uh, enjoys that game series. But uh, but we've just never quite uh, gotten with it. I You know what? I'll say I think it's super cool that it's coming to the Switch. Uh, this, yeah, this game's also absolutely. coming to other platforms as well. Uh, the, the remaster, I think it's coming to Xbox One. I think it's even getting enhanced for Xbox One X. Uh, I know it's coming to PS4 as well. So uh, they're, they're showing some great chops here with with the Switch. I mean, like there is like just with the small little mini that came out today. Like if you look through these games, mm-hmm. like there's a pretty good smattering of like people. There's developers that obvi- obviously see a lot of potential in it. Um, they hit every base, great- every single base here. Yeah. RPGs, sports games platformers uh old games big games uh small games like there's everything is here like this like mature stuff in terms of dark souls and payday and then also like super kid-friendly stuff like kirby like there's nintendo's doing damn good yeah they're doing great like none of these games None of these games get you excited like Mario Odyssey or or Zelda did, but like they're really solid. They're it, this is a good lineup of stuff that fills out that system nicely. Like these are these are higher tier than than some of the stuff we've been getting lately for for the Switch. SteamWorld Heist not included. That game is amazing right. and perfect. Uh, but like this is a lot of really good stuff that we're seeing over the course of 2018. Not to mention that they didn't even bring up two heavy hitters in my mind, which is uh, Project Project Octopath, Project Octopath, and Fire Emblem, of course. Uh, I think so that we're going to see a lot stuff. of stuff that we're most excited for with Nintendo right now, especially here on the show. I mean, what this tells me is is that hey, we're going to give you our our outline for some big tentpole items for the early 2018 into spring. And then we're going to set you guys up for some spring, summer stuff. And I think holidays are going to get bonkers for them this year. Yeah. Like last year, they had two great things that they had. They had Mario and they had Zelda and they had a brand new hardware. This is going to be a bit more of a finesse, I think, this year. We're like, hey, we're going to look at these things there. And, and then there's other stuff that's down, you know, down the road that we don't even know about. Like we, we know Metroid Prime 4 is coming at some point, And it could be this right. year. It could be next year. But like the in addition to all of this stuff we've seen today, there's still a lot more that we either don't know about or only know very small parts of. So, so really exciting stuff. So yeah, Nintendo has already laid out what looks to be a great start to the year. Uh, I, for one, can't wait to see where this goes. 
I'm excited to play some of these games. I think for this month, I'll be picking up at least uh, Celeste. I think that's pretty much high up on my list right now for, for January. And uh, continuing into some of those other games as they, they want the spring. Totally. Yeah. Like this, this month is, this month for me is, is Digimon, Dragon Ball, and I think after today is Celeste. Yeah. Celeste looks cool. I'm going to probably over the next week or two fire up Fire Emblem and try and get going on that so I can get that in now because I just know it's going to get wild. Um, but with that chase, I think, I think that we're going to have to probably hit the hay here and go to bed so we can get up and play more video games. That sounds Tomorrow's good to me. Day, I, got a, I got a bone to pick with Zer. He owes me a gun. <laughs> and, I, and I need to get that gun. I'm going to get that gun tomorrow. Um, so as we said at the top of the episode, uh, we are the Casual Hour. Chase runs a podcast uh, outside of this called Gamers on the Go. Chase, do you have anything planned right now? Anything big going for you on that? Uh, I've got a show idea and the person in mind to, to do it. And we're talking about it right now. And uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, right. some, something on the near horizon, I would say, is, is coming. So it's a game of, you're going to be talking about near and horizon. Got it. Um, <laughs> God. <laughs> uh. Uh, so I really, really quickly just wanted to make a little statement on the, the state of the state for our show. A little mechanical deal here. Um, we're going through some changes here at the casual hour on the back end and moving the way that the, the website is done and how our show is uh, uploaded and handled and measured and all that fun stuff. So I've been pretty busy with it. I don't anticipate uh, a disruptance in anything, but of course, when you don't anticipate it, it always comes back to get you. So some things that I am kind of concerned about is uh, in moving the, the show's foundation of how it's hosted, that those of you who subscribe to our show um, through Stitcher or through iTunes or whatever other vessel you use, there could be a disruptance in that. And I'm really trying not to make that happen, but this is kind of a, I'm a, I'm a learner right now. I'm learning a lot about this stuff. So I'm trying not to screw anything up for those of you who are so kind to come back and listen to us week on end. But we got some really exciting things that we can't wait to share with you. And I am hoping to have some more definitive news to share in the upcoming weeks. But yeah, and and for people to find that news, uh, you know, obviously we're going to keep doing the podcast. But if you have a hiccup in your in your downloads, then you're not going to be able to hear that. So we do have some other channels that you can reach us on or hear what we've got going on. There's there's always our Twitter, which is at the Casual Hour, and then I believe our our Instagram is also the same, right? Correct. Yeah. And follow those channels because we will be we'll be showing off what our, our new episodes are. So if you see a new post and you haven't gotten your download yet, then uh, then you know that something has gone horribly wrong, <laughs> and we'll start working on fixing that. But uh, yeah, please let us know if anything gets disrupted and we don't catch it. But uh, we hope to talk to you all soon. If there is a game from the Nintendo Direct that stood out to you the most and you're most excited about, please drop us a line. Uh, either at one of the two social networks Chase mentioned with Twitter or Instagram. Uh, feel free to email us directly. We are thecasualhour.gmail.com. Uh, we have a contact page, which is also thecasualhour.com slash contact. Any of those methods, get in touch with us. 
But for that, I am Bobby signing off. Chase, I hope you have a great rest of the week, and we will talk soon. Thank you. Please, listeners, write in and tell us a better slogan than we have now. Yeah, we need some help. Uh, <laughs> big time. All right. Have a good night, Bobby.